0: from the parent nation studios it's parent nation with tara kennedy klein oh my gosh why can't we do this why can't we
1: have dance parties in our kitchens i don't understand
0: the internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents Oh yeah, I believe in timeout. I take
1: timeout like three times a day in my room with my wine and my chocolate. It
0: works like a charm. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate Tara Kennedy Klein. <laughs> I'm serious. It's time to put the F
1: word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Hey Parent Nation. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here on Dad Day. This is like my favorite. Uh, show of the whole month, I have to be honest with you, because so many parent shows and talk shows and stuff like that really focus on moms, um, because, you know, I guess we're the ones who actually give birth. But the fact is, I love what dads bring to parenting, and I think it's really important. And I, I love what the male perspective brings to parenting, which I don't think we honor enough. Um, so often, as moms, I know we have this whole like cliche mama bear cliche thing, and you know so often we're we 're trying to parent our our spouses or our children 's fathers at, as the, at the same time that we 're trying to parent our children and I think that 's um, kind of where we mess up because I think men bring a really amazing perspective to parenting and and they bring a lot of unique ideas and concepts to parenting and I have to tell you, it's really starting to hit me right now about how we do a disservice to men in general and how lately there has been this culture of male shaming that has been created around um, all of the things that have happened in Santa Barbara, which we're going to talk about in the next segment. Um, and just I'm, we've taken female equality and we've taken um female empowerment and we flipped it parent nation we flipped it into boy shaming and male shaming and as the mom of two boys i'm telling you that's absolutely what's happening kelly i don't i know that you're here with me (laughs) you're kind of letting me rant right now but similar to what i'm talking about no i don't know if you're even there (laughs) Where did Kelly go? Um, No, what what I'm talking about is, okay, just recently, I know we have the the Yes All Women movement. And just recently, there was an article about a girl who was um, going after her school because it was hot. And she wanted to wear short shorts to school because it was hot. And the school said, no, you can't wear them. You have to change. And so she printed up these posters that were basically saying, stop the rape culture. It's hot. I should be allowed to wear short shorts if I want to without having to worry about, you know, distracting the boys in the class. Here's why you can't wear those shorts. Because you don't get it. We don't have a rape culture in the United States of America. It's, it's frowned upon here. We don't have a rape culture. What we have is a culture of parents who have decided that their daughters should be allowed to flaunt their bodies in any way that they want and any boy or man who notices is a pervert and is wrong. That's what we have in this country. I understand that women are hurt. I understand that women are raped. I understand that women are abused. I understand that women are threatened. I was one of those women. I get it but that does not mean that we can turn this into a country where men have no voice and no opinion and are are shamed for doing what men do. Men are visual creatures. Here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. We are so concerned with brain development and ages and stages for our babies until they become teenagers, and then we want to ignore them. And what happens is we teach our daughters that what they're doing by showing their bodies is okay, but what boys are doing by noticing is not okay. So now I've read an article today by a parenting expert who says that she does not allow her boys to hug her without first asking permission because that's how she's teaching boys to respect women. That is absurd. What we're doing is we're allowing allowing girls to do whatever they want just by the freedom of being a girl. And boys can't. Boys have to stop doing that stuff because it, doesn't, it makes us feel uncomfortable. What we have to do is we have to go back to showing our daughters where their boundaries lie. We have to go back to showing our daughters that respecting your body means keeping it for people who will treat it preciously, not flaunting it and showing it to everybody. If boys wear jeans that show their boxer shorts, they're scumbags and they're horrible and we should find them. Literally, find them. But if a girl walks into a convenience store like what happened to me last week with a sheer blouse on that I could see her entire breast and I had to shield my 13-year-old son's eyes because I didn't want him exposed to that, that's okay because she should be allowed to dress like that without having to feel shamed. It's not okay what we're doing. We're flipping the switch too far. We're making our boys feel bad for liking what girls are putting in front of their faces. And that's not okay. We're creating a culture where girls can allow boys to, have you heard this term, dolphin dive under their skirts so that they can see a shot of their G-strings, but if a boy that she doesn't like or she thinks is weird does it, now she presses sexual harassment charges against him. That's what we're teaching our daughters to do with the culture that we're creating. So, yes, all women, I get you. I get that women shouldn't feel threatened, but here's the other thing. I also get that my boy shouldn't be shamed for looking at what your girl is putting in front of his face. So we need to start teaching little girls that they don't have to wear short shorts with juicy written across their ass to get attention. Because if that's the only way you're going to get attention, then that's the kind of attention you're going to get. And we need to get it straight. Parent Nation, it's messed up. We're doing it all wrong. And, you know, Kelly, I don't know if you're there, if you can hear me now.
2: I can hear you, and all I can say is amen to
1: that, (laughs) I mean, I appreciate everything that's going on. I really do. Um, you know, I want women to feel empowered, but not at the expense of my child, not at the expense of my son and his desire to want a girlfriend. You know, I don't right. want I don't want my son to grow up feeling like he can't ask, uh, hold his girlfriend's hand without asking permission. Do you agree with that?
2: I do. I do. Totally.
1: I don't even know if you read that article this morning, but it was totally ridiculous. And, uh, you know, I understand that the the shooting in Santa Barbara, well, the, the killing spree in Santa Barbara, because it wasn't just guns. It was guns and knives and vehicles and, and mental illness is what was involved in Santa Barbara. So right. I understand that that was tragic, but I feel like what that did was allow all of the extremist groups to come out in full force and say, we're the ones who are suffering the most. Exactly. You know, exactly. we're the ones who need something to be done because, you know, all that other stuff, you know, all that mental illness stuff, that doesn't even come into play. We, you know, we want to be the one to put up the poster and say, pay attention to us. Yeah. yeah. You know when the, the whole yes, all women thing should have started? <laughs> it should have started. It should have started with "Bring back our girls."
2: Yeah, I like that. Maybe you should start that.
1: <laughs> you know, there is an example. Honest to goodness, there is an example of a culture that really does um, objectify women and uh, demean women, and you know everything that. that Women, little girls are sold yes, into um, into slavery for for twelve dollars. Right. right, right. But we're gonna say that that our daughters should be allowed to parade bare chested through our nation's capital, and that's their right. But any man that looks at them is a pervert and is wrong.
2: Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's all messed up. Hey, you know what? We have a caller on the line that I bet has an opinion on this subject.
1: <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, bring it. <laughs> Hi, who do we have?
2: Hello, Tara Kennedy Klein. (laughs) Woo hoo! It's Lisa Stedman. It's (laughs) Lisa Stedman calling in, and I am fired up about this conversation. And we should have, we should have totally, yes, all girls when Bring Back Our Girls came about. And honestly, come on, we should have been doing that for years. (laughs) Right,
1: right. Yeah. So, okay, so- I'm,
2: I'm totally fired up along with you, and I know it's Dad Day today, but I did want to call in and welcome you back to the radio airwaves, my friend. I'm so glad to have the reboot of your show and have Parent Nation on the air.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Lisa. You know, you are like my inspiration for doing what I do. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for allowing me to um, be myself and be my brand and, and put myself out there unconditionally. Well, that is my pleasure.
2: I just, I've just i been listening to the show this morning, and I am so proud of you. You are fully fired up and dialed in, and, and I know that the Parent Nation audience is hungry for this kind of conversation, really talking the truth about issues that are important to them. So I celebrate you. I support you. I know you got a whole show to do today, um, <laughs> and, and I know it's going to rock, but I just wanted to call and tell you I love you, and I'm happy to have you back on the air.
1: Thank you so much, Lisa. And we have to get you back on for girl talk because
2: that no, is. I'm coming back be a- on
1: soon, I think. Yes. I think in like two weeks. Yeah. You're gonna be on for yeah, and we are gonna be talking some serious girl talk on that.
2: Woo! Oh my gosh, it's a wage
1: gold. That's right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. Go back to your show. I love you.
1: Thanks, Lisa. Love you too. That was fun. You Hi, know- Lisa. I really want you to know, Parent Nation, that you are welcome to call in and talk to me and you don't have to just like be sweet and nicey-nicey to me like Lisa was because she's my bud. Um, (laughs) If you have an opinion or if you have a comment or a question or a concern, I welcome you to call. Um, because that's what this this show is about you it's not about me well it is my show but it's about parent nation it's about your thoughts and and what's affecting you in the world so when we come back from this first break we're going to be talking to travis breeding who is a friend of mine who is a asperger's um specialist but he just wrote a blog recently about this whole yes all women thing so we're going to talk about it
0: Studio, which is why Tara's taking a cocktail break, and we're taking care of business with the work of these sponsors. Welcome to The Quip with Miriam Nicole Huffman, a modern woman's guide to styling her faith, family, and finances. The online radio show dedicated to today's positive, purpose-driven woman who's ready to heal her heart, her head, and her household by realigning with what she values most. If your highest values are faith, family, finances, and freedom, you're in the right place. Host Miriam Nicole Huffman is a woman on a mission. Her mess-to-success journey has taken her her, from life as an upper middle class stay-at-home mom to a broke single mom to living a life of joy and wholeness as she builds a thriving business while raising her healthy happy family every week on the clip, miriam nicole shares her love life legal and lifestyle success secrets whether it's wisdom you're seeking inspiration and motivation from someone who's hit rock bottom and risen to success or you want to know how to fully align your faith family and finances to create more freedom for yourself you're in excellent hands with Miriam Nicole. Check out past shows by clicking on the podcast player to the right or check our recent guests in the blog below. Got a question for Miriam Nicole? Want to be a guest on her show? Email us at quip at miriamnicolehuffman.com. And join us every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. to Spark Your Soul Radio with Anne Phyllis. Perspectives with purpose, insights with heart. The WooHoo Radio Network show for spiritual seekers and fire starters who are ready to stop feeling lost, alone, confused, or blocked and start tuning into your soul speak so you can ignite all areas of your world from your work to your relationships, lifestyle to legacy. Host Anne Phyllis is a spiritual analyst, fire starter, energy alchemist, and soul truth clairvoyant. Using the heart and purpose-based principles of the signature Soul Sense System, Anne offers weekly wisdom for tuning in, letting go, unlocking, and unblocking. If you've been walking through life with excess baggage, a heavy heart, a feeling of disconnection from your inner life, consider Anne your guide to spark your soul journey and reignite your relationships, life, purpose, work, and spiritual consciousness. Visit SparkYourSoul.me and listen to Ann every Thursday at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network.
1: Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back. Um, I am so excited to be joined today by a good friend of mine and uh, somebody that I've had on my Stop Raising Einstein show several times. Um, His name is Travis Breeding, and he is an author. He's written several books for kids on Asperger's syndrome, which he has. He was diagnosed, um, uh, actually, as an adult with Asperger's. And um, what, we, uh, what I want to talk to Travis about is after the whole Elliot, Roger, um, Santa Barbara killing spree, um, Travis wrote a blog and um, he, he came to me and he said, this is, this is something that I'm absolutely passionate about and you know that. And he's been talking about this for years parent nation, honestly. And this is it's finally gotten to it's finally come to a head for him. It's it's reached its tipping point where um, what Travis's mission is, is would you be willing to fight as hard for mental health as you are for your guns and your women's rights? Because the fact of the matter is, when we listen to what really happened with Elliot Roger, um, we're looking for someone to blame We're looking for something to blame. We want to blame the guns. We want to blame the misogyny. We want to blame all of these things. But what it comes down to is Elliot Roger was a very tortured young man. He was a very tortured child. And I don't mean physically tortured. I mean this was a guy who was diagnosed with high-functioning autism, um, which we now know high-functioning autism carries with it a lot of social disorders, horrible social disorders. He was tortured because he knew that he wanted to date women. He knew that he was an attractive young man. He knew that he had a lot to offer, but no one ever took him aside in all of those 10 therapists that he saw and said, This is how you approach a woman. This is how you talk to a woman. This is how you handle a social situation. We've become so consumed as a nation with passing standardized tests, with medicating the oddities out of our kids, that we don't realize that these social disorders are just as paralyzing and debilitating as ADHD and OCD and all of these other things that we medicate our kids for. You can't medicate a social disorder. All you can do is treat it and coach it, and those things aren't available, and that's Travis's passion, and that's why I wanted him to come on and talk to you about his experience and what he wrote. So, Travis, are you there? Yes, I am. So, I know I told you to speak in sound bites. (laughs) Right, right. Um, so, but I don't want, so if, if I cut Travis off, it's because Travis and I can get a talker going that neither one of us can shut up and that's why I have to do that. So, Travis, um, tell me a little bit about your experience as a young man um, in today's world of... Um, Romance and and wanting to be accepted and wanted to wanting to have social relationships and what you experienced as treatment from the professionals
3: Right. Well, it goes back to um, really what we're dealing with in society right now um, You're dealing with all those issues all those issues combined are making creating the problem But what you're dealing with is is a society problem um, Your last segment I listened to your last segment and it was perfect because as an individual with Asperger's syndrome there's a lot of confusion. And so, you know, I've been following this Yes All Woman movement, which I actually think is great, and I, I agree with it. But it creates confusion because it's like, well, and we live in a day and age where it's like a woman wants to feel desired, right? And a woman wants to feel safe also. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the question is, a guy then is how do you make her feel both at the same time? Because for an example, the guy with Asperger's syndrome, you don't understand social boundaries. So like my instinct is, I meet a girl, I'm already thinking dozen roses, two dozen roses, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> so that, to me, though, in my it's, it really comes down to people socially that don't develop socially. Mm-hmm. I have like a little boy school of thought about it. And so I'm thinking a dozen roses, two dozen roses, that's being nice to her. I'm thinking that's making her feel desired, you know. But it's almost a catch-22 because we live in a day, in an age where advances are almost seen as like threatening to girls, threatening to women. And so it's confusing to me because it's that same little nice gesture of a dozen roses that sometimes causes her to feel uncomfortable or be scared, so to speak. Yeah. Um. And so I really struggle with that. Um, and the question I have right now is, like, well, how do you make a woman feel desired, you know, without making her feel threatened or, like, you know, without making her feel unsafe? Um, exactly. And, so, and that is really more of a – and the problem we have in society is that 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 right there, understanding that, that's not going to be a basic social skill that you teach. That's not a basic adaptive living skill. That is more of an advanced level social thinking skill, um, a social understanding social context, um, things like that. And the biggest issue I face with being treated for Asperger syndrome, autism, um, whatever you want to call it, is that society we address the basic adaptive living skill, but we are not addressing the higher level advanced social thinking skills, understanding social context, understanding all of that stuff. Um,
1: right. Like one of the great examples that you gave that really just like turned on a light bulb for me in my head, Travis was when you said an adapted living skill is like, so I spent a hundred hours being taken to a McDonald's to learn how to place an order. But what I really wanted to do was get to know the, the cashier and ask her out on a date. <laughs> It's like how many times can they take you into an environment where all you're required to do is ask for the basic thing that you need that they offer? And what you're talking about, these level four and five social skills are going, yes, I want a Big Mac and I think you're really nice and I'd like to go out with you. That's the part that they skip. You know, the teaching you what is an appropriate way to approach someone. What's an appropriate way to ask someone out? What's an appropriate way to um, engage someone in a friendship or a romantic relationship? And those are the ways that Elliot Roger really, really struggled, which is why, to your point also, he reached out to those websites like Pickup Artist, where those are actually kind of – those have evolved into – sort of women hater misogynist websites but he well, didn't know that
3: yeah Re- and honestly really the problem with those websites also is that they will um, they actually pray they will target guys like Elliot Roger or like myself and they will try to sell to them basically pay $5,000 come spend a weekend with me and we'll get you any girl that you want basically the that's concept.
1: obscene and, the and concept so for someone who doesn't have the, the the social context like you said another great example that you gave me was when you said um, that you, real, you understood or you heard somewhere that girls like bad boys and to you that meant instead of walking up to a girl and saying hi I'm Travis and I think you're pretty that meant walking up to a girl and saying hi I'm Travis and I think you're a bitch
3: <laughs> well kind of along that concept basically as you know probably raising a child with Asperger's like we think in very much extremes opposites. Um, the gray area is what's really hard for us to define. And so for me, it's either good or bad or nice or mean, you know, there's no, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to define those gray areas where really what I've learned, and I've, I I went down that pickup artist route. Like I studied that for a little bit and thankfully I don't do that anymore. And what I weren't, what I've learned really is that it's not, I've actually found real social skills coaches. Now I don't get to work with them because I can't afford to. Um, And sadly, that is, I guess, my main, my main issue, my main passion here is that society does not, insurance companies do not deem social skills coaching as medically necessary. Um, And so what I've learned from the social skills coaches, though, is it's not that a girl wants a bad boy. It's that she wants a good guy who has a couple of bad boy characteristics, so to speak. Um, Right. And and so there is no, you can't go in extremes. Like, that's what I have a hard time is understanding what is the. For me, what is the what is the medium between coming on too strong, sending like two dozen roses on a first date, and being a complete bad boy? What is the mean? What is the medium there? You know,
1: exactly. Um, and Travis, I think you know we only have like two minutes until the next break, but right. I I really want everybody to hear the point that that we're trying to make and why we brought you on, and that is, yes, Elliot Roger was able to go out and buy guns, and that's bad. Yes, Elliot Roger. Had a tortured childhood. Yes, he was able to join these websites that turned him into a misogynist. But the most important thing is, Elliot Rodger would not have gone down the road he had gone down had the services been available to him that he needed, which would teach him acceptable behavior with society, not just women. Let's not take it, let's not own it that much society in general and that's what you're you're trying to say what
3: you're talking about is just a social relationship in general um basic different levels there's a level one social relationship which is like an acquaintance Mm -hmm. and then there's a level four level five social relationship which is like your best friend or your boyfriend or girlfriend um
1: right we only have 30 seconds we only have 30 seconds left travis and I, I, I don't want to – I want everybody to understand what you're saying. We need to have more social skills training for these kids. It's one in 48 that are being diagnosed with an autism spectrum disorder today. This problem is going to continue to get worse if we do not do something – to stop worrying about standardized testing and start worrying about social skills because that's what these kids need. Travis, thank you so much. We'll be right back.
0: Or close your iTunes player. Uh, oh, get f- it. Parrot Nation, Tara Kennedy Klein needs a pee break. And then we'll be right back with more Parenting with a Twist. Listen, something is brewing. The beautiful business evolution is coming. The way we do business is about to change for the better forever. This is real business at its very best. On Beautiful Business Radio, you will learn what it means to truly prosper, how to nourish yourself and your business, how to earn what you deserve and make a difference in the world. The tide is rising. The change is here. Discover a new way to live, love, and partner with yourself and your business on Philippa Rowlands Presents Beautiful Business Radio, where you matter and your business thrives every Tuesday At 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents.
1: Clean my house? (laughs) It's time to clean their house. You know what it
0: means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation, welcome back.
1: I am so stoked about my next guest because here's why. He is basically like the male version of me, I'm convinced. <laughs> right? True. True. Kelly? Oh, my gosh. So my next guest is uh, is a guy named Richard Greenberg, and he's a father of four, and he's a, the author of Raising Children That Other People Like to Be Around. Um, he has a website called Common Sense Dad, which I totally jive with. I mean, that's, that's absolutely what I'm all about. You know, he wants people to understand that you can get, you can use common sense tools and, and tips and all that stuff to raising kids. It doesn't have to be as crazy and relegated and segregated and all of that, that we're making it. So anyway, he had this thing and it was uh, beers, bros and babies. And I'm like, that's it. That's my man right there. He's got to be the dad day guest. And so I'm so excited. I don't even want to talk about you anymore. I just want to talk to you. Richard, are you there?
4: I am here, and I'm very happy to be here.
1: <laughs> Yay! I'm so glad you're here. This is going to be so fun because you and I, I don't know if you're on the same page as me because you have a, a perfectly wonderful and every way daughter. Um, and and I'm, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not a girl basher because I am one, and I, so I get it. I'm just – where do you stand on the whole thing, Richard.
5: Well,
4: basically, I don't think there's such thing as a perfect parent, so we're totally with each other on that. The Woo-hoo. perfectly wonderful daughter is, you know, she was preceded by three, you know, look, they were all perfectly wonderful. They required a little bit of work to sort of shape them, but at their core, they're sweet kids. Um, all of them do boneheaded things, and <laughs> uh, and by the way, so do we as parents kind of do Crazy stuff, and you know we are managed-
1: talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We,
4: we, we managed to muddle through and Keep the big picture in mind, and I think that that's what you're talking about. Is the sort of the concept that is there is this big picture. It's very common sense to not look at what happens specifically today, but to look at the course you want to set with your kids, and then they're gonna, you know, they're gonna go a little crazy. They're gonna be kids. They're gonna not do what you expect them to do. But you teach them what you expect, and for the most part, they kind of want to do that. But, you know, they may be slobs. You know, the perfectly wonderful daughter was a complete slob. Her room was always a mess. And and I had grown up in a house where, like, you got in trouble if your room was a mess. So my room was always a mess, and I was always in trouble. And I just decided that wasn't going to be the house that I was going to have my children grow up in. And luckily, my wife and I sort of agreed that we didn't want to be cops about that kind of stuff. So she had a really sloppy room as a child, and we would sort of roll our eyes about it and laugh because she had, you know, she got great grades. Her brother's didn't get great grades but they all are doing quite well now but you know she got very good grades she was very academic she got her homework done she was very typically well organized except her room was a mess then she went to college it turns out that the roommate that she had in a room that was probably you know 15 feet by 20 feet the room she shared with this other girl well, the other girl was a complete slob. I mean, just a total slob, which caused our daughter to call and say, I can't believe what a slob my roommate is. I can't believe yeah. it. And as a result, she had her side of the room be perfectly organized. And and so even the lessons we don't teach our children overtly are lessons that they learn through time because – In her case, you know, when you're in a world that you're in control of, which is not your parents' house, it's your first room away from home, you Mm -hmm. want it to sort of be organized because that at least gives you some comfort. And we as the parents who live in the house and, you know, sort of are the bosses of the place, we want our comfort in our environment, so we believe in keeping it clean too. So, uh, you know, these are the lessons that get passed down, and you can't expect perfection. That's really an unrealistic Point of view from a
1: parent. Absolutely, couldn't agree with you more. Now, did well, you expect cleaner rooms from your sons than your daughter? Oh no, <laughs>
4: we we didn't we didn't expect any. Well, let's put it this way: we didn't force any of them to have clean rooms um, in terms of. Beyond saying to them, there are people coming over. If you want them to know that you're a slob, you can leave your room looking this way. But if I were you, I'd clean it up a little bit. And typically, they would clean it up a little bit. Um, That's the most
1: amazing (laughs) self-control that I've heard from a a parenting person in a really long time. Like Most of the time, people are going to be like, so here are 12 tips on how you can get your children to clean their rooms. Very rarely do I have a parenting expert come on and say, just don't worry about it.
4: Well, because if you keep your room clean and you set the example that is sort of an orderly way of life, I think your kids grow into that orderly way of life. I did a couple of things that I would consider very sort of um, backward management. Um, I would make my daughter's bed and then when she got home from school and we were sitting around and say, hey, by the way, I did you a favor today. And she would say, what's that? I said, well think about it, what favor would I ever do for you, you know, just around the house? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you make my bed? And it was like, yeah, I made your bed. So I sort of guilted her, you know, a little bit like, yeah, I just thought I couldn't stand looking at your bed unmade. So I made it myself. <laughs> the boys, you know, I, I just always sort of considered boys a lost cause, because to some degree, I'm a slob. But I have learned that it's just, Nicer to live in an environment where I've actually picked my clothing up and my wife promised my mother you know This is a multi-generational thing that she would never oh. pick up my clothes for me because my mother was like He's a slob and you can't pick up his clothes for him. So it was like, okay, I promise I won't.
1: And so that mom was... kind of like inspired the slobby behavior <laughs> That's awesome.
4: Well, it it wasn't that she inspired it because it infuriated her, but she just abdicated to my wife the responsibility for trying to teach me that lesson, which, you know, hey, listen, I always picked them up the next day. And when I had my own room, you know, when I was in college, I kept it clean. I kept it neat. I picked up my clothes because I understood that that was a value of life. It just didn't matter so much in my parents' house.
1: That's so funny because my mother-in-law comes over and goes, I can't believe that she doesn't do that for you. Like, she's such a terrible wife that she doesn't pick up your clothes and all that. Like, I get the total opposite. You know, my mom,
4: I mean, I don't mean to say this is what's funny, but my mom passed away a couple, three years ago. And my wife looked at me one day and she said, you know, I'm not picking up your underwear because to me, that's a tribute to your mother that I'm just not going to do that. And that's how I'm remembering her is by, you know, just having you be a slob. And she's able to disconnect herself. I mean, obviously, if people are coming over, there's going to be some straightening up and you know uh, we do live at this point, I've become sort of ca- conscious of that, but in, if I pick them up in the morning, that's okay you know i I know they're in the way, I know they're a mess, I know what sloppy is. Uh, I'm just sometimes just too lazy to have to deal with it.
1: well, hey, you heard the intro you know i cleaning <laughs> my house means that my computer's busted, and everything's in a closet, so just <laughs> don't open any closets, so tell us about. Your book, because I'm dying to hear what this is all about, how, raising kids that people actually like to be around. I think that's, that should be the main goal, well, don't you?
4: Yeah. I mean, that's ultimately why I wrote the book was that my wife and I were sitting around trying to decide, well, what is our goal here? What are we trying to do? And we just said, well, we're, we want to raise children that other people like to be around and ultimately what we found, because our children are grown now, we have a 33-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 25-year-old, and the girl who's 18 years old. And those three sons who are very personable and sensitive to the people around them and good sort of navigators of their world, they've, they're doing, Knockwood very well in their careers because people like to work with them. Nobody's asked them about their academic qualifications, although all of them did go to college, you know. Um, nobody cares about sort of what their GPA was. They like that they can work with them and that they listen and that they're sensitive and that they anticipate the needs of other people. So I wrote my book because people used to say well there were two things. People used to say, You guys are so lucky, you got such good kids. Right. We, we get like we had
1: nothing and, to do with that.
4: Yeah, we get in the car <laughs> and look at each other and go, Lucky? Like seriously, we work at this 24 seven, you know, we've been working at this all the time. And so I said, well, what, what was it that, what did we do to create this luck, you know? And people used to say, there's no such thing as an owner's manual for children. You know, kids don't come with a handbook. And I said to myself, well, I'm going to write the handbook that is the owner's manual for children. And so I sat down and I started, you know, this took me a really long time. I'd say 10 or 12 years of sitting down and writing things down that i just wanted that were examples for me of things that meant something in terms of the par- the behavior of parents and then uh, i sat down with an expert a guy named neil halfon who runs the center at ucla for children and families and he's an old friend of mine and we just started kind of going up 10,000 feet every time we would meet to breaking it down to five words that i called my five musts that are set an example make the rules, apply the rules, respect yourself, and teach in all things. And those five things spell out the word smart, set an example, make the rules, apply the rules, respect yourself, teach in all things. And basically, I just said, well, where does it all start? It starts with setting an example. Who are you? How were you raised? How? What lessons do you want to bring from the way you were brought up to the way you're going to bring your children up? And, you know, that goes... From everything from what are your values in the house, which again comes to the whether the bed needs to be made. Our values were telling the truth, respecting others, taking responsibility, and being kind and being grateful. And so we use those values to make our rules. We decided together, my wife and I decided together, what our values were gonna be. And my book has a little questionnaire in it for people if they wanna ask each other these questions. What did you enjoy most about the way you were raised? What made you feel best that your parents did? What made you feel worst? How do you wanna repeat things? What don't you wanna repeat? If I'm repeating something I said I didn't wanna do, how are you gonna tell me I'm repeating it without getting me angry? You know, come up mm-hmm. with a keyword for that. Um, and then just sort of practical relationship advice for what is what are the values of our marriage and our family. And then you can make your rules are very easy. Do you have to have a clean room every day? We chose not to make that a rule because that was going to be something that was going to turn us into cops. If they clean their room and we would say to them, I really like the way your room looks today. It's really neat. I love it when your room is clean. That's a different approach. That's a very positive approach. It's appreciating the positive as opposed to criticizing the negative. So as you make those rules, you have to think about how they apply. And kids need rules. Rules are like guardrails on a highway, you know. You you keep your kids, they'll stay in the lanes, but every once in a while they kind of drift off the road. And you need to have rules that keep them on the road. So, I agree
1: with that a thousand percent. And, you know, it's kind of funny. We only have like 30 seconds left in this segment. But the thing that I love is what you're saying, your rules can all be guided back to those four guiding you well exactly. we call them pillars we have the same we have the same damn pillars it's so cool and, <laughs> you know that. and it's like that goes back to res- respecting yourself and others exactly. and you know and so we in these last few seconds i want to thank you for being an amazing model and for being like my doppelganger in male form and for joining us on the show today it's and when we come back we're going to be talking to clint studio, arthur thanks so much taking a cocktail break and we're taking care of
0: business with the work of these sponsors Woo! Uh-huh Only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Secret cuisines and sacred rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velasi's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velasi is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, in Science, ancient and evolving, old medicine and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents.
1: Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You
0: know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate Tara Kennedy Klein. And now back to the show.
1: Hey, Parent Nation, welcome back. We are having an awesome time for Dad Day today. <laughs> All the guys on the show have brought such insight and wisdom and I'm I'm so thankful for this show. I oh my gosh. but anyway, my final guest, I'm so excited, we actually bumped a segment so that he could be on because he just authored and illustrated a book called Daddy Loves You and absolutely have to have that on for Father's Day, which is this next Sunday. Um, So his name is Clint Arthur, and I got to know him um, from the other thing, Celebrity Launchpad is the other amazing, wonderful thing that he does, helping to people to shine their light. But he is a really great um, – he has amazing books out too, The Greatest Book of All Time, The Last Year of Your Life, Daddy Loves You, and What They Teach You at the Wharton Business School where he went to school. So, Clint, are you there?
5: Yes, I am, and happy Father's Day in advance.
1: <laughs> you know, I celebrate Father's Day because I actually made my husband a father, and I have one, so – I, I figure I get to celebrate it too,
5: right? Amen. Amen. No. <laughs> we should all celebrate Father's Day because there's a lot of fathers out there and they deserve to be celebrated. Hooray.
1: Hooray. Doggone it. So tell us about Daddy Loves You.
5: Well, I wrote this book like 18 years ago and uh, I sent it out and sent it out. I mean, it's the greatest book. Half the world can totally relate to it. They're fathers. And, you know, it's so difficult for a father to express a lot of times the emotion that they feel for their kid. And Daddy Loves You is a little picture book, like Good Night Moon. You remember Good Night Moon? Sure. So, you know, it was one of the books that we would read every night when my daughter was a little baby. And, uh, gosh, nobody wanted to publish that book. <laughs> mm. So, like, I mean, like what
1: kind it, of excuses did you get? I'm curious.
5: Just form letters is form letters. That's really?
1: It. Yeah. <laughs> that's nobody a shame.
5: believes that there's you know anybody interested in fathers expressing love for children on a nightly basis. How freaking ridiculous is that?
1: Yeah. So, unless you write the book, go the F to sleep, and then everybody wants it.
5: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, that was that was genius marketing, and I I respect that a lot. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Maybe. I but what is
1: your book like? What makes it special?
5: Uh, This is a real book that I made. See, my, my daughter's mom and I split up when she was only a year old, and my daughter, that is, and I wanted her to know that even though I wasn't with her at night, every night, that I loved her because, you know, I wasn't there six nights a week. And in those days, we didn't have all these technological advancements, you know, like Today, I would, I would have just made a YouTube channel for her, or she could have Skyped me. A lot of parents, I hear Skype every night, but that wasn't possible back then. So I made this little picture book, and I was hoping and praying that somebody would read it to her at night, even when I wasn't there. And that's what the book was all about.
1: That's pretty awesome. You know, it kind of reminds me a little bit, I was involved in a program here where I live, called Mother's Voice, and basically what they did was they would go into the women's prisons, and the women with children would record themselves reading a book on cassette tape. That tells you how long ago that was. Yeah. And they would send the book and the cassette to the woman's child at home so that they could hear the mother's voice reading them the book. And it gave them like a talisman. It gave them something to hold on to. And the whole reasoning behind it was because the percentages of children of incarcerated parents that will become incarcerated themselves are like 65%. So can you imagine if somebody did something with your book with the men's prisons and allowed these dads to read that book and tape it and send it to those kids?
5: That's a great idea,
1: Tara Kennedy, Clint. Hey, I'm the idea queen. Sorry, I Lisa like said. <laughs> I think it's brilliant, and I don't think – that's why we do Dad Day, Clint, because we don't celebrate what dads bring enough. I truly believe that. I mean, what you were saying earlier that, you know, you it's not normal. People don't really appreciate the tender lovingness that a father feels for their child when you know when they're reading to them and all of those it's not something that dads are typically known to do and I think it's because we've stereotyped it out of them
5: <coughs> Well I was watching a movie last night on the plane Excuse <coughs> me and the father like it was a big a big beat in the, in the movie about how the father never Like, he gave the best man toast at the wedding and and felt really bad that he didn't say he loved his son during the toast. So, for some reason, there is a a divide in our country. It is difficult for men to tell their children that they love their children. And so that's what Daddy Loves You is all about. It's done in the form of a children's book, because you know, as well as I do, these little kids, when I have the same books read to them night after night after night. It's like a a creature comfort for them. Mm -hmm. So I just made a book where the whole book is all about the father saying that he loved the kid and you know, it became a a family heirloom in our family. Like, you know, she still has that book. She's 19 years old and still has the book. And I have mine, my copy too. So this is a great thing.
1: Do you think it changed your relationship with her?
5: No doubt. I mean, it, it it created a presence. I don't know how many times a week somebody else would read that book for her, but however many times it was, it was one more time that she got to hear that her dad loved her and that her dad was, you know, in her life. So,
1: You know what I love about it, Clint? I was in another conversation. I've been in a lot of these whole yes, all women conversations recently. And one of the things that came up was um, little girls start to experience their first threat from men when they go to school and a little boy hits them or pushes them and the teacher or the parent says, that means he likes you. Yeah, and the first thing that came into my head was no. It starts when a little girl does something wrong, and the mom says, "You just wait until your father gets home." Whoa, right? Those are the positions that we put dads in. We want to put dad in this position of disciplinarian, you know, authoritative, um, you know, the iron fist kind of positions, and it doesn't leave a lot of room for warm fuzzy cuddling, bonding, connecting in a father-daughter way. I had that with my dad and the the kibosh was put to it when I was 13 years old and started going through puberty. And everybody's like, you really shouldn't be kissing your dad like that or you really shouldn't be hugging your dad like that or you really shouldn't be sitting on your dad's lap like that. That's my dad. Are you out of your mind? And I hear it and I see it to this day with other father-daughter Um, families that I, you know, when I see them connecting in that way and people are looking at it like it's creepy or it's weird. Why do we do that?
5: Because our, our whole society is predicated on not doing something wrong, not making a mistake, not being improper. And it makes sense because it's safer not to try, you know, to try to avoid making mistakes. It's a safer move. But if you don't make any mistakes in life, you don't learn. And unfortunately, people are more concerned about being proper and not making the mistake around areas of affection and love, especially that, that area, because affection and love is what life is all about and so deep. And they don't want to make mistakes about expressing affection because the, the cost is so extreme.
1: You know, I think that we could make so many strides in the area of women's empowerment if we allowed fathers to exhibit love and affection towards their daughters in ways that are acceptable so that daughters are able to identify what's not. If the only time your father puts his hands on you is to scold you or punish you, then that's what you find acceptable behavior from a man.
5: Wow. If you're doing, you're right? Yeah. You're, <laughs> you're
1: I hardcore. am hardcore. <laughs> because, because I'm tired of my boys, my sons, being shamed by girls for paying attention to them in the wrong way. Because my boys are allowed to hug me. They're allowed to hug their dad. You know, the, we're a very demonstratively affectionate family. And we get cross-eyed looks all the time. But kind of like my prior guest, Richard... I get complimented on my children's behavior and character daily. And I think it's because we've shown our children the way that you should be with someone that you love instead of telling them the ways that's wrong. We're focusing on what we want.
5: That's a great way to go because you get what you want in this life. And I believe that we should all want more love and especially love with our kids and you know these little kids will grow up really fast and if you don't take the time to express your love for your kid you're going to miss it it happens really fast my daughter just finished her first year in college already wow
1: <laughs> that's amazing that is freaking amazing and and it it does my my son's going into 10th grade and i go who said you could do that <laughs> who said you could get that big that fast um so when did you when did you stop reading to your daughter? I'm curious about that one.
5: She she had us reading books to her at night until she was like, man, seven years old, probably, eight, mm. maybe eight, maybe eight years old, maybe even maybe even later. I mean, th- this was a book that I read to her for years and years and years. So,
1: that's amazing.
5: Yeah, it, it was it was like one of the one of the good old hits from the from the past, you know? Wow.
1: One. Something that you're going to read to the grandkids, too, someday. You know I have to go, and I am so glad that we had you on the show. Clint, you were an amazing guest and so much fun, and I'm so glad for all the dads who came on to celebrate Dad Day with us, and keep reading to your kids even when they're too old to sit on your lap have them sit next to you and read the wall street journal together because <laughs> you can never spend <laughs> right you can never spend too much time with your kids make this thing fun decline. decision in parenting has to contain a hidden message or a life lesson. Sometimes it just has to pass mom's little barometer of, is this going to shut them up?
0: Connect with Tara online at tarakennedykline.com. Until next time, remember this.
1: Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and-